Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hit play and feel the real with Bose QuietComfort Ultra earbuds. Breakthrough immersive audio makes all your music feel more natural than ever by taking it out of your head and placing it just in front of you. Like listening without wearing earbuds at all. And the high fidelity audio and world-class noise cancellation are tailored to your ears only. So everything's personalized and hits just as it should. Bose QuietComfort Ultra earbuds. Dive in deeper at Bose.com forward slash iHeart. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Dive into true crime on Pluto TV. Unravel the mysteries on Forensic Files and investigate crimes with 48 Hours and Dateline 24-7. With thousands of free crime movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is the true home of crime. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming true crime on live channels and on demand. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. Major phone carriers make you sign contracts with rigid data plans to trap you into a kind of forced phonogamy. Sounds pretty insecure if you ask me. At Consumer Cellular, we believe in a more consensual and healthy form of phonogamy, free of contracts and more flexible to your data needs. This way, you stick around not because we force you to with contracts and fees, but because you love our phone plans. Like ardently love our phone plans. Phonogamously. Consumer Cellular. When Freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. It's never too early to prepare your e-commerce business for the holiday rush. Whether you're shipping from your house or a warehouse, you'll want ShipStation when the orders roll in. ShipStation lets you automate shipping tasks and manage orders from one dashboard. And with enterprise solutions and discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post, it scales when you do. Set your business up for holiday success with ShipStation. Go to ShipStation.com leaders today and sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com leaders. Before we begin, please note, 
This series includes talk of suicide and sexual violence. Please take care while listening. It was just, it was just a strange turn of how it all unfolded. Fucking curious about this. We didn't know another thing. Uh, I'm just a little pissed right now, but I know people feel different, so I'm just putting my feelings out there. So this is a craziness that we were told. Mm-hmm. She couldn't do it. It just didn't add up. A lot of things just didn't add up. So some of the stuff I'm about to tell you, I mean, if you're pissed now, you're going to get even more pissed off. Because I never knew anything like that. They never said anything. What's this like for you to hear all of this? Well, it's not what I want to hear, but if it, you know, is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not buying this bullshit. I, I'm That's sorry. why I was I, cautious of whatever they said. Yeah, I need a stiff shot. <laughs> <laughs> From iHeartRadio, I'm Melissa Jeltsin, and this is What Happened to Sandy Beale, an iHeart original podcast. Chapter 8. Good Grief. The first time I went to Maine to meet with the Beale family, it was summer and the drive from the airport was lush and green. It was on this trip when Ronnie, Sandy's youngest brother, asked me what I hoped to achieve with the podcast. When Sandy's mother, Joanne, gave me the coat her daughter was wearing on the night of her death, and when I first got a real sense of Sandy as a person, the Sandy the family described to me, she was fearless. Five months later, I flew back to Maine with my producer to see the Beals in person again. It was late fall, and the trees were a mix of orange and brown and green. I was returning under different circumstances than my first trip. This visit had a particular objective— to observe and record an emergency family meeting that Kim had called. Kim wanted to share with the Beals what she'd come to believe was true, that Sandy had died by suicide. The meeting was set to take place at Sandy's brother Stephen's home. To set the scene, imagine a tidy ranch-style house, a kitchen teeming with food, two small dogs running around underfoot. I arrived before the rest of the family and made small talk with Stephen and his wife. Soon, Michael and his wife showed up with Joanne, who was wearing suede cowboy boots bedazzled with rhinestones. We hugged, talked about booster shots and COVID variants, and we waited together for Kim. You can hear the nervousness in Kim's voice. Leading up to this meeting, she was really worried about how the Beals would respond to what she had to tell them. She didn't know if they'd see things her way or if they'd reject her position and judge her for siding with the police. For decades, there'd been a collective story that they all agreed on around Sandy's death. That whatever happened to Sandy, she hadn't died by suicide. 
Kim had previously been part of the group, in fact, the leader of the group, the one pushing to reopen Sandy's case, convinced that there was something there. Now, she worried that she'd blown Sandy's death up into something it wasn't and wasted their time, added extra pain to their suffering. She knew the Bills loved her and were appreciative of all her work, but there was a part of her that was scared she would need to beg for their forgiveness. Bed in there, girl. My notes are like, I was really hoping that I'd have time to sit down and get orderly, but it's it's just been too hard, so it is what it is. It's white, that's right. Do you have tea by chance, hot tea? Black tea? I have some of these. Within a few minutes of Kim's arrival, the group migrated into the living room and took seats around a boom mic that I'd brought. It was a strange dichotomy, the most intimate of conversations undertaken with the knowledge that everything was being recorded. Kim sat in a large, pillowy recliner that seemed to swallow her frame. Her feet didn't quite reach the floor, and she kept readjusting her position, trying to get comfortable. I think that the answers that I'm going to give you today will naturally make that a closing place anyway. There are still some answers that need to happen, but... I think as far as the story is concerned, it's shifted. And so I'm hoping that we get more information after this, and but we may not. So I just want to kind of share with you what we've uncovered in the past few months since we saw you in June anyway. Armed with her notes, Kim began recounting her conversation with Bernie. She told them how she went in fighting with a head of steam, arguing and asking critical questions. She told the family how they discussed Sandy's efforts to become a police officer and the ride-alongs that she did, likely as part of an official Explorer program. And so I'm just listening, and I said, well, what about the Explorers program? I'm like, so explain that. And he said, it was a way that we encouraged people in high school to come become cops, and they're having a hard time recruiting new police officers. So they were going to the high schools, hence the ride-along program and the explorers. And I'm like, so you have a girl that wants to be a cop and she's doing everything you guys ask her to do. She told them how Bernie acknowledged that there was likely serious sexual misconduct taking place and how she was disarmed by his compassion and his frankness. He said, if I was on the watch, they would have all been terminated because we, I wouldn't have put up with any of that. And I'm like, you know, if you, you see all these questions that we have, everything we've already talked about, no answers have been given, all these different things that are discrepancies. And like, you can see from our point of view that we have questions. He's like, I absolutely see from your point of view. All of this, make, everything you're saying makes sense. I watched Kim as she attempted to replicate her conversation with Bernie, trying to create the same conditions that had led to her own awakening. She spoke calmly and carefully, referring often to her notes, before she got to the piece of evidence that had clicked everything into place for her. To help them visualize the scene, she printed, from the internet, a picture of an old Ford Pinto, just like the one Sandy used to drive. So if you look at this, this is the steering wheel. So it matches up. If you were to brace it there, here, you can pass that. If you were to brace it, it's, uh, it just started feeling like making sense to me that, that she did use that. That's the only possible way that she could have pulled that trigger as if it was had support of something. But when he said that the gunpowder was on the steering wheel and it was spraying back, 
And I'm like, he goes, they, he said, Kim, we can't, we can't deny the trajectory of this. When, when he said the, there's gunpowder on the steering wheel, that was kind of like, that's kind of irrefutable. So it was almost like a, an aha moment, like a wake up call of, oh my God, that could possibly really be true. At this, Kim pivoted away from the forensic evidence and started speaking from her gut. She now had a new understanding of Sandy and her last months, and she shared this with the Beals. How she believed Sandy had been used and abused by men in power, and how this had broken her. I, I think someone was there before. I think she was alone then. And this is just my, my knowing her and thinking through the situation. It's dark. It's 27 degrees outside. She just had sex with somebody. She's alone. She's trying to get out. And I think the trying to get out was possibly the straw that broke the camel's back. And she's just said, fuck it. Joanne had been listening intently. Now she interrupted. I think you're right. I think the last hurrah was she was trying to get out. Joanne's words, they rushed out of her as though they had been waiting to be released. I think she just said, I can't, this, I've had enough. And I've she had used. already been rejected. She mm -hmm. had already had the abortion. And I think the whole thing just blew up. And uh, maybe I'm wrong. And uh, I kept that to myself for a long time. I did not expect to hear Joanne agree with Kim and acknowledge so openly that she believed Sandy had died by suicide. And I got the sense that Kim had given her permission to say the hard part out loud and that it came as a tremendous relief. The room was quiet. Everyone seemed to be reflecting on the Sandy that they knew, each of them conjuring their own memory of Sandy and trying to square Kim's new story with their own. And then Stephen broke the silence. Well, I'm going to be the odd man out. I dispute what the guy says. I flat-ass dispute it. I don't think she put the goddamn gun on the steering wheel. And yes, they can replicate it. They don't want to replicate it. They can put a fucking man on the goddamn moon. They can replicate that. I know Sandy. Sandy did not shoot herself. I'm going to go to my friggin' grave saying that, uh, you know. And I, I, it's compelling. Now, I'll give you that. You know, the guy's trying, and I get that he's trying to be empathetic with our situation. But, you know, sorry, he's selling, I ain't buying. No, again, I'm sorry, I ain't buying it. Fucking lie. Fucking lie. Stephen left the room upset. But about five minutes later, he came back and rejoined his family. Uh, 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 trust me, folks, I, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, it's nothing about anybody. I, I, I take issue with what it is they're trying to say. And, you know, and I understand if, you know, other people don't share my stance. I, I get it. You know, uh, this is something that I, you're right, I got to grapple with on my own. You do. But right now, I... I don't see it yet, you know. Maybe something, it might take something, a little something else to make me see the light. 
you know, maybe I'm seeing what I want to see. Don't know. Could be. But right now, I, I, you're not, no, you're not going to convince me that she did it. As the family continued to talk, the sun streaming in the windows and filling the room with light, it felt as though I was seeing them shift and adjust their beliefs in real time, torn between two versions of an event that had defined their lives. Even Joanne, who had sounded so sure at first, vacillated, returning back again to the police, Doug, and all the sketchy behavior she witnessed in the aftermath of Sandy's death. Sometimes she seemed to travel this distance between suicide and murder in the same breath. Stephen was the most vocal about his views, while his brothers, Michael and Ronnie, quietly contemplated the situation without giving much away. They listened, nodded, winced at times. And then Ronnie spoke up in his calm and reserved way. Well, you know, for 44 years and nine months, we've tried to play every scenario. Did she? Did she not? She did. Why? She didn't. Who's responsible? We don't know. And I guess we're never going to know. Even if somebody come forward today, yeah, I did it. No one's going to jail. Especially none of them guys. Yeah. Yeah, Bob's right. Yeah. So, in my mind, I think we've come to the end of the road. Win or lose the draw. There's no sign of identity theft slowing down. And why should it? More than $29 billion were stolen from identity theft victims last year alone. To cybercriminals, it's a success story. To the rest of us, it's a wake-up call. Your personal info is in more places now than ever, and all that exposure can make it dangerously easy to steal your identity. LifeLock makes it easy to help protect yourself by monitoring your identity and alerting you to threats you could miss on your own. And if you do become a victim of identity theft, a U.S.-based LifeLock restoration specialist will be dedicated to your case and will work to fix it. Don't wait to get LifeLock identity theft protection. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save 25% your first year. LifeLock. Identity theft protection starts here. A brand new historical true crime podcast. The year is 1800. City Hall, New York. The first murder trial in the American judicial system. A man stands trial for the charge of murder. Even with defense lawyers Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr on the case, this is probably the most famous trial you've never heard of. When you lay suffering a sudden, violent, brutal death, I hope you'll think of me. Starring Allison Williams. I don't need anything simplified, Mr. Hamilton. Thank you. With Tony Goldwyn as Alexander Hamilton. Don't be so sad, Catherine. It doesn't suit you. Written and created by me, Allison Flock. What are you doing? Let go of me! Listen to Erased, the murder of Elma Sands. She was a sweet, happy, virtuous girl. No! No! Until she met that man right there. No! On the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This Christmas, what if gift giving looked different? What if your gifts could make a life changing, long lasting, joyful impact on your loved ones and for others? With World Vision, your generosity can make a big impact and grow God's kingdom here on earth. Gifts found in our gift catalog will empower children and families out of poverty for good. Discover how you can help change lives this Christmas at worldvision.org forward slash gifts that grow. Delavie Sciences brings you skincare that's backed by science. Ionia age-defying skincare contains their patented ingredient that boosts hyaluronic acid and activates repair enzymes to diminish fine lines and wrinkles, improve skin elasticity, and even out your skin tone. It's clinically tested, scientifically proven, and dermatologist approved. Visit DelavieSciences.com. That's D-E-L-A-V-I-E Sciences.com. Promo code offer 20 for a 20% discount. DelavieSciences.com. Promo code offer 20 for 20% off. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, Queens of Ancient Egypt. When pharaohs held the throne, their wives held the power. We see her taking precedence over the pharaoh, an absolute mastermind. All hail the queens. This is unprecedented. Watch Queens of Ancient Egypt now on Curiosity Stream. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. I watched the Beals leave that meeting with Kim with a demanding task ahead. They could choose to believe what Kim now believed, that Sandy died by suicide, or they could continue with the story they'd believed for decades. And I could understand why they'd take the latter route. Both stories were compelling. Both were possible. And the journey to replace a long-held belief with something new and contradictory is not an easy one. I think that we face this kind of crossroads many times in life. And we, you know, again, we're given the choice between the safety of holding on to what we know or the ambiguity of releasing what we thought we knew and reaching for something a little more adequate, recognizing that 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 process is not a comfortable one. Robert Niemeyer is a professor of psychology at the University of Memphis and an authority on bereavement and grief. Well, of course, this is a larger question that goes beyond grief and bereavement. We can hold on to our own views, sometimes almost in a kind of hostile stance of refusing to accept the alternative story. And that's the path of defensiveness and sameness and anger and resistance. But the other is the path of grieving um, maybe coming to terms with the reality of tragedy in life and the impermanence of love and the ambiguity of, uh, of our position as human beings. Kim let go of what she'd believed, and it was really painful. She told me that she felt as though she was grieving Sandy's death all over again. For the family, I understood the cost of changing their minds. To accept that Sandy had died by suicide required them to redefine their understanding of her as a person, and by extension, their relationship to her. It often, especially in the case of traumatic loss, shakes up our 
assumptive world, as we call it, that whole world of assumptions about how life is or should be, our sense of justice, our sense of control, our sense of the reality we thought we were living, or the reality of a loved one we thought we knew, can be deeply unsettling as we have to essentially revise our life narrative, the story of who we are and whose we are uh, in the context of often a significant and, uh, and, and soul-shattering loss. The dramatic thing for them, of course, is that they have experienced the shattering of their narrative, their story, not once, but twice, 44 years apart. Robert explained to me that grieving a suicide often brings up complicated feelings for families, such as guilt and anger. The failure to protect or save that person, particularly if we are a parent, particularly if we are an older sibling, where we feel some duty of care toward this vulnerable person. And somehow we miss the signals. We, we, we didn't um, have the, uh, you know, the deep understanding of what was happening for them at the time that might have led us to make a difference. All of that is denied us. And so we're left with a struggle to realign the relationship with them um, and to figure out how they fit into our lives now. What I hope it brings, though, is compassion of her as the young woman she was, uh, attempting to move into a life that had its own audacious and probably chaotic and uh, likely complicated uh, dimensions. Ironically, they have ended up having to sort out those complications for her in in a proxy way as they attempt to make sense of her life, maybe at a time that she herself could not. Making sense of Sandy and the complications she was struggling with is what I've tried to do with this podcast. And the complications in Sandy's life, they had something in common. They all revolved around law enforcement. And so, in a way, did her death, which I think is telling. I found myself returning to a single page in Sandy's full police file, where Detective Shashelsky cataloged the evidence in Sandy's car, and specifically the items sitting on her dashboard. The items on her dash, they all had to do with cops. There was the duty rig for carrying police equipment, a lone business card from a PG County cop, clippings about police officers, presumably from a local newspaper, and a card showing the shift schedule. I thought it was strange that Sandy would store so many items including a belt, on her small dashboard. Wouldn't they fall down when she drove? As I read and reread this list, picturing the scene, I suddenly imagined Sandy placing the items there ceremoniously, surrounding herself with police paraphernalia to make a statement. I had long been suspicious of the location of Sandy's death because of who hung out there, but I could now see how the pole yard might have been a symbolic choice by Sandy. Doug, the state trooper, the instructors in the Explorer program, and the cops who call Shashelsky, I think a good many of them hurt Sandy. They took advantage of her youthful passion, her blind ambition, and her desire for acceptance. As she wrote in her letter to Doug, 
I never want another man to ever want me. I just want to leave and forget the pain. Sandy was looking for love, and she found cruelty. The police, they didn't have to murder Sandy to be complicit in her death. And I think they deserve some of the blame for the loss of a teenage girl. I think there are people who know exactly what happened to Sandy. They just don't want to talk to me. And back then, they didn't want to talk to the Beals either. To me, this is the tragic heart of the story. For all the questions the Beals had, there were people with answers. If any of the police officers who knew Sandy had been brave enough to talk to the Beals, if Prince George's County Police had launched a misconduct probe in the wake of Sandy's death and been transparent with her family, and if anyone had listened to the Beals, really listened to what they had to say, then maybe 45 years of doubt and uncertainty might have been avoided. Maybe Sandy, she could have been put to rest. A brand new historical true crime podcast. The year is 1800. City Hall, New York. The first murder trial in the American judicial system. A man stands trial for the charge of murder. Even with defense lawyers Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr on the case, this is probably the most famous trial you've never heard of. When you lay suffering a sudden, violent, brutal death, I hope you'll think of me. Starring Allison Williams. I don't need anything simplified, Mr. Hamilton. Thank you. With Tony Goldwyn as Alexander Hamilton. Don't be so sad, Catherine. It doesn't suit you. Written and created by me, Allison Flock. What are you doing? Let go of me! Listen to Erased, the murder of Elma Sands. She was a sweet, happy, virtuous girl. No! No! Until she met that man right there. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. When Tracy Raquel Burns was two years old, her baby brother died. I was told that Matthew died in an accident, and no one really talked about it. Her parents told police she had killed him. Medical records said that I killed my baby brother. I'm Nancy Glass. Join me for Burden of Guilt, the new podcast that tells the true and incredible story of a toddler who was framed for murder and how she grew into an adult determined to get justice and protect her family. While we had prosecuted some cold cases, this was the coldest. This was frigid. But how does a two-year-old get blamed for murder? She said, we wanted a new life. You just don't know what it's like when you'll do anything for somebody. Listen to Burden of Guilt on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I notice Jacob is not in his crib. So I look in Sarah's room. She's not there. So I'm like, okay, they're not there. Unrestorable is a new true crime podcast that investigates the case of Catherine Hoggle, a mother accused of murder. I'm thinking, you know, like, what's going on? Like, this is insane. Like, where are my kids? Despite signs that Catherine Hoggle took her tiny children one by one into the night, never to come home again, she has yet to stand trial. 
because soon after her children went missing, she was declared incompetent to stand trial. We have a blueprint to get away with murder in the state of Maryland at this point. In Maryland, if a defendant is found incompetent and can't be restored to competency, their felony charges are dismissed after five years. So as the clock counts down, Catherine's charges on the verge of being dismissed. What does justice look like in this case? Something's wrong here, you know, whenever a woman's allowed to kill my two kids. Listen to Unrestorable on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear the show completely ad-free, subscribe to the iHeart True Crime Plus channel, available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you'll get ad-free access to dozens of hit true crime shows, like Paper Ghosts, Betrayal, and The Idaho Massacre. There's a place beyond this place. A middle ground between the light and the darkness, the nadir and the zenith. For some, it's a bridge between the living and the dead. Yet for others, it's something else entirely. It's the place where our nightmares dwell. Each one of us has touched the other side and felt the presence of something beyond this world. Welcome to Hip Hop Horror Stories. I'm your host, Belly. And each week, we're going to take you to the limits of your imagination as we explore the reality of paranormal experiences. I believe in this shit for real. And the stories you're about to hear might make you believe too. Everywhere I looked, I saw something. And I, I, I looked closer and noticed there was a hooded figure. And whatever it is, it's like, came, it's like it became reality. Listen to hip-hop horror stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Head into Safeway for great deals throughout the store. This week at Safeway, get value packs of USDA Choice Boneless Beef Tri-Tip Roast or 16 to 20-count bags of Waterfront Bistro Extra Jumbo Raw Shrimp for $3.97 per pound with digital coupon limit two packages. Plus, get two-pound packages of large strawberries for the member price of $4.99 each. Also this week at Safeway, get Signature Farms 90% Lean Ground Beef or 16-ounce packages of Genio Ground Turkey Varieties. Buy one, get one free. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for more deals. In the weeks and months after we all gathered in Maine, I reached out to the Beals periodically to check in on how they were doing. I was curious how they had processed the new information, but I was also hyper-aware that their capacity for and interest in discussing Sandy's case with me was coming to a close. My investigation had found answers, but not the answers that they had necessarily wanted. I sensed they were somewhat let down, although they never missed an opportunity to express gratitude for my work. Here's what Stephen had to say when I called him one afternoon. I'm just going on with uh, with life, really. I mean, yeah, you know, kind of going status quo. I mean, the situation's normal. Um, that's about it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I, I know myself, I, I've always felt all along that we're never going to really get to the bottom of it. And it was nice as you know trying to get to where we got now which was which is good but uh, you know just it, it's for me uh, I'm always gonna have uh, questions and it's never gonna be really quite resolved uh, the way to my satisfaction Kim's epiphany her meeting with Bernie it hadn't really changed anything for him it was had those gut feelings when you know when you just kind of know something you know what I mean 
I'm looking yeah. at it through a through a jaded eyes. My, I'm so jaded. <laughs> you know, I need to look at it through a different lens. Does that make any sense? When I reached Michael, the oldest of the Beale brothers, he agreed with Stephen and told me he still has significant questions about the gun. So you yeah. still you still believe that probably someone else was involved? Sure, I certainly do. The police, uh, they're pretty good. You know, they can they can dig shit up and they can they can bury stuff. So I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that's buried and no one's going to know about it. Ronnie, the youngest of the Beals, he just wanted to put the whole thing behind him. He's getting married soon, starting a new chapter of his life. He doesn't want to go there anymore. Like he said in the meeting, he considers it the end of the road. I came to understand through my conversations with the brothers that it was very possible the family would be living with these conflicting stories of Sandy's death and therefore her life forever. And maybe that was all right. Well, we've seen over and over now, um, really 25 years of research, the, the majority of people are resilient to almost anything. George Bonanno is a psychologist at Columbia University. His research focuses on how human beings cope with bereavement, loss, and other potentially traumatic events. You know, everybody's moved on and lived their lives, you know, and it's now a person four decades in the past who they loved or who they had complex relationships with, and now they have a kind of a, a, a very complicated story about that person. But, you know, there's probably enough distance that they can probably say, okay, well, you know, I will maybe hold both of these, but, you know, I don't think it would be as crucial or as critical in their, to their well-being to have a clear picture anymore. In a sense, the need to have them reconciled is maybe long past. George's research has found that most people possess a natural resilience to trauma and loss. The person is able to, uh, you know, concentrate, laugh, do what they need to do, um, take care of people they love and be cared for by people they love and that love them, you know, be close, have intimate interactions. And they, you know, they're able to, to experience joy. And they're able to experience pain and they're able to be to think about other things. Um, and, and they simply continue on with their life. They don't forget the person. They, they just, you know, continue living the life in the present. And if you think about it, human beings have been around for a long time and we've thrived all over the planet. And we've always been able to keep moving on and keep going. That's just human nature. Kim has moved houses since she visited the Beals in Maine, resettling in a country home halfway between Houston and Austin. Being in the country has helped, she said. The blue bonnets and wildflowers are out. The trees outside her house are over 300 years old. She keeps a photo of Sandy on her desk, but she's put her files about the case out of sight in a closet, still close enough to access if she needs them, but not lining the walls of her bedroom like they used to. Sandy's case, it's been a source of consistency in her life for decades. Something to focus her boundless energy on, give her purpose. And now she considers it over. She's let go for the most part. She has answers, 
though she says she still needs to find closure. She wants to go back to the pole yard and have a ceremony there to say goodbye. Before the family meeting, one of Kim's biggest concerns was disappointing Joanne. She feared that spending all those years investigating the case had prolonged Joanne's pain and stood in the way of healing. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. Fighting this. It's a long time fighting it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm most concerned uh, mostly about you. Um, I've had a few weeks to process it, and I'm still struggling with it. So mm-hmm. just grieving, you know. I know what you mean. I was just telling, uh, I think it was Melissa, that this might be the last sit-in that I might sit in. It depends on how I feel at the time, you know, because it drums everything back up. It's hard. And it's hard. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the way it is. But the journey, it had bonded the two women. I got the sense that Joanne was profoundly touched by the years that Kim had spent in service to Sandy. She was trying to hold people accountable, and she had kept Sandy's memory alive. We've come a long way with this. You have dug and dug and dug and dug. There's been many things that I have thought of and thought of and thought of. And just like we all have questions. But we'll probably never get all the answers. We've had a lot. We've learned a lot. I understand why the Beals still have questions. Because I do, too. There's still so much unknown about the network of police officers whose phone numbers Sandy wrote down in her address books. Police officers who took her on ride-alongs and drove her home at night after hanging out at the FOP lodge. But I'm pretty sure I know how she felt when she died, because she wrote about it. I've reread her note to Doug many times, and what's clear is how alone, used, and powerless she felt. It's a stark reversal from where she was when she began policing, described by her friends and family as strong, ambitious, and secure. The main criticism I've heard about my podcast is that it's anti-cop, that if a teen girl was victimized in an explorer program, that was in the 1970s and doesn't reflect on what's happening now. But I want to tell you about another Sandy. Sandra Birchmore died by suicide during the pandemic while pregnant, allegedly with the child of a married older cop who was an instructor in the explorer program she had attended. A misconduct probe launched in the wake of her death has resulted in the resignation of one officer, with two others placed on paid leave. I think there are many, many more Sandys out there. Girls and women who have been sexualized, mistreated, and eaten up by a police culture where masculinity reigns. Sandy wasn't an anomaly. Joanne, she still has questions. She still hopes that Sandy Sheridan will come forward. She still believes that Doug was in the pole yard the night Sandy died. She even had a dream about him recently, where she confronted him outside a courthouse and gave him a piece of her mind. But ultimately, she's come to accept the possibility that Sandy died by suicide. She thinks that Sandy was consumed by hurt and felt as though she had no one to turn to. 
and she blames the police for putting her daughter in this position. Thinking back to when Sandy died, the worst part was the not knowing, she said, having only the fragments of Sandy's story and not being able to put them together in a way that made any sense. Today, she's learned how to live with the not knowing, the lingering ambiguity, the unanswered questions. She's found a way to put all that to the side, diffuse it of its power. Maybe she wasn't supposed to know everything, she said. It's just how it is. And she's at peace. So anyway, it was a hard time. And uh, I don't know. We've been through an awful, a lot in this family. I say the good Lord was good to me to give me a life to live this long. I weighed two pounds and three ounces at birth. They told my mother and father I wouldn't live 24 hours. And here I am, Eddie, too. Joanne hopes she'll see Sandy in heaven. But for now, she's put the whole thing in a good place. She needed to. She's a fighter, always has been. But it was time for her to stop. Well, honey, I've got to let you go. Okay. What Happened to Sandy Beale is hosted by me, Melissa Jeltson. It's written and produced by me and Katrina Norvell. The podcast is edited by Abu Safar. Sound designed by Aaron Kaufman. Jason English is our executive producer. Research and production assistance by Marissa Brown. Special thanks to Duncan Radell, Bethan Macaluso, Nikki Etor, and Pete Monica. To find out more about my investigation, follow me on Twitter at Quasimado. That's Q-U-A-S-I-M-A-D-O. A brand new historical true crime podcast. When you lay suffering a sudden, brutal death. Starring Allison Williams. I hope you'll think of me. Erased. The murder of Elma Sands. She was a sweet, happy, virtuous girl. Until she met that man right there. Written and created by me, Allison Flock. Is it possible, sir? We're standing by for your answer. Erased, the murder of Elma Sands. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. When Tracy Raquel Burns was two years old, her baby brother died. I was told that Matthew died in an accident. Her parents told police she had killed him. I'm Nancy Glass. Join me for Burden of Guilt, the new podcast that tells the true and incredible story of a toddler who was framed for murder. Listen to Burden of Guilt on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The system's broken. I said, something's wrong here, you know, whenever a woman's allowed to kill my two kids. Unrestorable is a new true crime podcast that investigates the case of Catherine Hoggle, a mother accused of murder. Despite signs that Catherine Hoggle took her tiny children one by one into the night, never to come home again, she has yet to stand trial. Listen to Unrestorable on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear the show completely ad-free, subscribe to the iHeart True Crime Plus channel, available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you'll get ad-free access to dozens of hit true crime shows, like Paper Ghosts, Betrayal, and The Idaho Massacre.
Hey guys, Britton Laurie here from Life Uncut Podcast. We are the number one dating and relationships podcast in Australia because we do things different down under. We cover everything from dating, sex, relationships, and pop culture. We chat with a lot of experts about things like love, cheating, narcissists, because we both date a one, long distance, fertility, communication, and breakups. And we talk to some people you might be familiar with, like Rebel Wilson, Matthew Hussey, Stephen Bartlett, Joanne McNally, and Mark Manson. You can join us while we unpack it all by searching for Life Uncut now, wherever you get your podcasts. Fall is coming, and the nights are getting longer, and a strange Hollywood couple have moved into the Winchester Mystery House. If you are brave enough, you're invited to the unhinged housewarming from September 22nd to October 31st. Experience the terrifying line between reality and imagination as darkness falls, and those that haunt the Winchester Mystery House join the party. Get your general admission and RIP tickets at winchestermysteryhouse.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.